This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Yeah, what? What? The Why does this happen? happen? What? Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Gulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched season six, episode six of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer all the way. As well as Gilmore Girls, welcome to the dollhouse. I don't know which one was better. These episodes are like kind of the same level of quality and I think are sort of setting out to achieve similar goals. Yeah. Yeah. Neither are like amazing. Neither are really terrible in my opinion. So I, we're going to have to figure this out, Brian. Oof, it's going to be tough because I don't have a strong opinion either way. Well, I sound a little sick. It's because I was and it's morning, but I um I went to that Gilmore Girls fan festival mm-hmm. in Maine. And found out someone I was near later tested positive for COVID. I So far, I don't think I had COVID. I've taken a few tests. And I just got that boosty, remember? Yeah. But I did have like a cold that lasted a few days. And it's it's still there a little bit. But um, FanFest was good. There was uh, a lot of the actors from the show there. I posted some photos on Instagram if you wanted to see. I met Max Medina. Mm-hmm. I met Mrs. Kim and Miss Patty. God damn it, Max. Keep your hands to yourself, he, buddy. Did he touch me? I can't remember. You can't remember? I can't remember where he touched me. No, I wasn't necessarily planning on doing a lot of meet and greets, but some friends convinced me to get in the line. And I, well, I didn't really know what I was going to say, but it ended up being delightful. And he was very nice. And he said he would do the podcast. So, But as soon as Stacey got home, this is so annoying, man. The entire apartment was filled with flowers. <laughs> Just so many. So maybe we'll have him on the podcast. A couple of the actors said they would do it. I just, we don't really like do interviews. So it'd probably have to be like a bonus episode or right. something. I'm not going to make him watch season seven, episode four of Buffy or whatever. Yeah, he's got to do a live stream with us watching <laughs> the episodes. And let's make sure it's not an interesting one. It's funny because a lot of the actors that were there don't really know each other because they're from like random parts of the show. It, right. it's, a lot of it's not people that are like in the whole show. Like Mrs. Kim and Miss Patty were. But like the actress that plays Madeline was there and... The guy that plays like Robert, Rory's date to the Pulp Fiction party. And the so a Yale lot of it's people that the Yale dog. <laughs> a lot of it's like people that didn't really overlap, but they go to this thing every year. So it's like they're all friends. But yeah, I would I would recommend there's cool panels. It was in a cute little seaside town in Maine. It was a little reminiscent of Stars Hollow. And it was it was cool to get some behind the scenes information and just be with a community of people that loves the show. I'm glad you had a good time. What did you do while I was gone? I watched a bunch of horror movies. I watched like a bunch of Hellraiser movies. Mm-hmm. They only got worse the more of them you watched. <laughs> but you liked the new one. I did. I did like the new one. I didn't mind the new one. You got to be into what the movies are about, but uh, I liked them. It's everything I love. It's like a little board game you got to solve. <laughs> like yeah, and puzzle. you love bringing creepy hell dimension demons yeah. to Earth to torture you. It's my other favorite thing. It's seeking experiences that uh, beyond what we normally experience. beyond the regions yeah. of experience it's some nonsense line yeah yeah i just want to know like the most experience someone could ever feel you know and i'm sure it's all gonna be pleasurable and not painful at all speaking of which did you tell them about your clothing fairy uh, uh no did, did yeah i i Would told like them to? while you were gone i 
reached out to all of our subscribers. I told them about our cl my clothing fairy. To be fair, you did tell them when we did our angel video, which will have come out before this. It's true. So, so some um, of you were privy. Somebody in our building like leaves clothes in the foyer all the time for anyone to like take, and then if they're not taken within a couple hours, the super like throws them away. There's a designated area where anything can be left that yeah. this can happen to. It's not just if you live in New York, I bet your building has a similar thing. Yes. But anyway, this whoever this person is, they must be like an overshopper, like a shopaholic. They leave a bunch of clothes all, every time, and they always fit me perfectly. Whoever this man is, you have the same body as Brian. Yeah, we've got At least the, the legs. same legs, and it's great. I just hope this person never cures their shopping addiction. <laughs> or moves out. Or moves out. I hope it gets worse, and their partner's like, you gotta purge. Get rid of your nice stuff. <laughs> Uh, so that's my hope. But also, when I was trying on their pants yesterday, I reached in the pocket and pulled, they had $15 they had left in their pocket. Now, to be fair, if I were to know who this was, I would give them the $15. But I don't I have no idea. I'm just like, every time someone walks by me in the hallway now, I'm just like sizing them up like, do you have my body? Is it you? Anyway, thank you, clothing fairy. Keep up the good work. To be fair, you could put up a note where you found the clothes being like, thank you for the clothes. That's also a bit embarrassing. Thank you for your cast off clothes. Keep them coming. Yeah. Here's $15. Yeah. Also, I don't want some imposter, some other neighbor showing up like, yeah, it's mine. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're six foot five. No right. way that $15 is yours. <laughs> a lot of people live in the building. Yeah. It would be a detective project to return it. If I were to know who it was, I would. Even if I found out in like a month from now, I'd be like, oh, I owe you some money. Or at least buy him a couple drinks for all the pants he's given you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would meet this guy decked out in their old clothes. <laughs> I hope he sees you wearing his pants and has similar thoughts. Like, I don't want to say anything, but I'm happy my pants found a good home. <laughs> All right, Brian. Before we jump into it, we have a five-star review. Great. Thank you so much to P. Brown Sam 77 Thank you. All right. This week, we started with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Stacy, can you tell us all about the episode all the way? Yeah, so this episode is, it's Halloween, and... Dawn lies about where she's going, Dawn. and she ends up going on a whole vandalism makeout spree with some older boys. Dawn. And Xander and Anya have an engagement party? Dawn. That's, oh, and Willow. Willow. Oh, my God. Willow. She's she's being a little crazy with the magic. Yeah. She's out of control. I wouldn't say she's out of control. I, she's, she's a little unhinged, for I sure. I mean, I think what she did at the end of the episode is pretty out of control. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so it's Halloween. The magic shop is bustling. All the Scoobies are working. Some of them are in costume. Anya's a Charlie's Angel, very short shorts, and roller skates. I haven't seen Charlie's Angels. Are there roller skates? I mean, in the entire series, I bet. Xander's a pirate. Giles apparently owns a second wizard costume. Yeah, right. We saw the purple one in uh, last season. Yeah. This is just a, like a teal one. No hat. His entire closet is just like half wizard costumes he wishes he had the occasion to wear and then tweed. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't wear the tweed so much anymore. He You're right, he doesn't. Loose yeah. sweaters, jeans. Willow's upset with a customer because she's wearing an ugly, stereotypical witch costume, but she's delighted to see a little toddler dressed up as an ugly witch. <laughs> she was cute. Dawn spots a loose gold scorpion coin lying in the magic shop, and she pockets it. That seemed like it was going to be something, but we don't see any more of that. Is this just a setup that she's a klepto? Because later she tells this dude that she steals all the time. Yeah. Maybe that seems like she's lying to sound cool, but I don't think so. I think I believed her when she said that. I mean, she's been stealing. This she's not the first time. She's on stole. his earrings. And that also never amounted to anything. 
Did they really just plant that seed last season knowing they were going to do something with it now? I mean, if I'm being honest with you, I think they were just like, we got to do something interesting with Dawn. Okay. I thought season five thought they were done. Although I guess by the time they shot that episode, they knew they weren't. That was like one of the last couple episodes. Yeah, they were probably like, let's sneak something in we can go into next season with. Yeah. Because you think this like coin is going to be something that causes a whole thing to happen on Halloween because Dawn right. took this coin, but nothing happens with it this episode. So Buffy's helping out in the store. Anya tells her to go downstairs to look for some mandrake root. But Buffy's still scarred from last week when she was groundhog daying. She's like, don't blame me if we end up having this conversation over and over. I thought that was pretty funny. She mm-hmm. references it again downstairs. Spike's lurking in the basement because he's got to be lurking somewhere. He's there to steal some root that he crushes up and adds to his blood to make it spicy. That was funny because at first he says he was going to pay for it. And Buffy's like, really? And he was like, no, I'm going to steal it because that's what I do. <laughs> he was really proud of that. But then he, I think he's trying to be a little bad boy. He's like, do you, do you like that I steal it? He asks her if she feels like a bit of the rough and tumble. He means patrolling. But honestly, it is kind of a weird way to ask that. Yeah. Buffy seems to think he means sex, though, and seems kind of flustered. Not, like, annoyed. But like, yeah, exactly. Her her look here isn't, like, disgusted that you would expect from, like, season five Buffy, right? Yeah. She's like, huh, me? What, what, why would you think that'd be something I'd want? <laughs> Almost, like, embarrassed. Like, how could you say that here? <laughs> why would we talk about that? Huh? I've never thought about it. But she's like, no, I should stay here. He's like, cool. I'm going home to watch Charlie Brown. But when Buffy gets back upstairs and sees how busy it is, going out slaying with Spike doesn't seem like such a bad idea. It is like busy-ass season here at the magic shop. Yeah. Giles like really needs Buffy to help bag supplies. <laughs> like people are checking out. And- I'd be so scared to bag half this stuff. I'd be like, did I break it? This is yeah. like a mummy hand. I don't know. I, I don't know how busy this store really would be. Like it is Halloween. It is when it would be busy. But like how busy is this store ever? Yeah, right. Well, Sunnydale. I mean, it's Sunnydale. Half these people are probably casting evil spells. It's not like it's like cute little Halloween decorations. It's like probably expensive shit. Yeah, like real mummy hands, not fake ones. They do sell things besides mummy hands. That's just my go-to. <laughs> Giles, again, reminds Buffy that Halloween's a slow season for supernatural activities, so she probably doesn't need to go out slaying. Buffy's like, yeah, but literally every Halloween we've shown the audience something terrible has happened. This is this episode's full of callbacks, which is fun, because she references both Halloween episodes. Giles is like, yeah, and it always happens to us, so you don't need to be out there. Start bagging, bitch. And then we meet a little old man who's carrying some groceries home to his house, which looks a lot like Buffy's house from the outside. It like, does. He going? He's just casually humming Pop Goes the Weasel, and I'm thinking we're going to see some real nasty jack-in-the-box stuff. He's just left a soup stewing on the oven while he was out. Yeah. This dude seems... Sweet, but also creepy. No, the dude doesn't seem sweet. He seems, like, psychotic. Not to mention the music they're putting over it is like, this guy is evil. Which is why I always gave him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He peeks out the blinds at some children, kind of laughs, and said he's going to give them something special this year. He pulls out a knife. You had a problem with the knife oh sound effect? Oh, my God. Watch this scene, guys. Watch this scene. He pulls a knife out, okay? And it makes this, like, knife, like, unsheathing <laughs> sound, like a shing. It doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Because he like, just pulled it like out of the drawer. It's not yeah. like in an, a block or something. Like it sounds like he just sharpened it, but he did not. He just lifted it up. It's just. It was just to remind us this is a sharp knife he's got here, guys. It's like the equivalent of like in a kung fu movie when someone like chops and you hear like a. <laughs> it's like that. It didn't make that sound. 
The magic shop has finally closed. Everyone's exhausted. Except Anya. She's jazzed how much they made and can't wait for the big clearance day tomorrow. They've still got to clean up. Willow pitches a Disney Fantasia-style cleaning spell. Giles is like, or you could shut your witch mouth and use a real broom. How about? Why are you making Giles a misogynist <laughs> in this episode? He was <laughs> he's got not a little calling bit of that. them witches and bitches. He's... <laughs> he got a little bit of that leftover Billy spell from Angel. <laughs> No, but he, he's definitely like, or how about we don't do that? You just use your hands because we talked about how I don't like the magic you've been doing. Did Giles say that? I think Giles was just like, yeah, well, Fantasia didn't go great. Yeah, I, I, it's all subtext. He doesn't yeah. actually say anything. Right, but right, right. I, I feel like it's it's there. He like puts a broom in her lap. Okay, it's all subtext. I just don't want the audience to be like, Giles is just a total fucking asshole. <laughs> no. Anya's doing a little money dance, which is what seals the deal for Xander. He just, like, looks at her across the room, and he's like, I'm going to marry that woman. Okay. I kind of hated this. He's ready to commit. He gets up and tells everyone about their engagement. It's just so weird that they were, like, putting this off so that they could have a party this episode. Yeah, totally what was happening. This is just, like, meta. Let's go over this. She's all. She says to, like, I thought you were waiting for the right moment. He's like, I did. Like, what? Like, okay, so the moment is when Anya's excited about all the money she made. Like, What? It's the short shorts, maybe? I mean, she doesn't look bad in that outfit. I will say that. But then the whole rest of the episode, he's still, like, doubting it. I know. It's weird. I I hated this. Like, I was waiting for the right moment. This is it. Is it? I mean, there was, like, a bunch of moments before here. And this just seems so shallow. I don't know. It seemed just like a writing decision to wait for this, not an actual decision a character would make. Well, he's ready to commit. Tells everyone about their engagement. There seem to be varying degrees of excitement for them. Can you imagine if Xander had told her about this right after she broke up with Riley? Right. When she breaks up with Riley, there's like an episode where she, for some reason, the whole episode thinks that Xander and Anya is like the most beautiful relationship in the world. Oh, right. Have a beautiful love. Anya and Xander just start making out for like a while. Puffy's like, psst, Giles, did you know about this? He's like, no, unless I blocked it from my memory. Just like I'll be blocking out Xander's vigorous use of tongue. (laughs) And then he polishes his glasses, and Buffy's like, hey, wait a minute. Is that why you always are polishing your glasses so you don't have to see what we're doing? (laughs) He's just like, tell no one. (laughs) Buffy doesn't know what she's feeling, so she decides she needs to throw them a party, which is just the same group of people relocated to Buffy's house with a few snacks. Maybe they're drinking? This party's dumb. They're in red Solo cups. I mean, I think it's pretty clear they're drinking alcohol. This is the year they're turning 21. They haven't actually said anyone is 21, but they're the same age as Rory, and Rory's turning 21. Well, they've drank in previous episodes. Yeah. I like to think Giles would buy them booze, too. Yeah. If they're just drinking at Buffy's house, not driving. I I mean, they've saved the world multiple times. If they want some booze, I don't see why they can't have it. Yeah. It's just also never explicitly said. Willow pours something at some point that doesn't look like booze. It looks like a drink you'd buy from a gas station. (laughs) Willow's like, this party needs decorations, slash, I'll take any excuse to show off my magic. And she just, like, points her finger and some, I don't know, kind of random things appear. Anya loves it, but Giles flashes this look at Tara like, control your woman, woman. (laughs) (laughs) This mean-ass Giles this episode. That's what I saw. (laughs) God, I gotta stop playing patty cake with Billy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, probably. That's a weird thing to do. But I love it so much. (laughs) Watch Angel, episode (laughs) six. (laughs) 
I guess we could explain. There's like a guy that Angel brought back from hell as a favor to a enemy, I guess. And <laughs> <laughs> so much context missing, but that is all correct. <laughs> and this guy, when he touches men, like the worst of them comes out. Like, like the he, words misogyny specifically, like hatred yes. of women. They basically become like violent incels. Yeah. It's kind of an uncomfortable episode, but. Oh, totally. Wesley gets touched and it's a whole thing. So we're we're joking that Giles got a bit of the touch. Yeah, that's what we're referencing. Tara tries talking to Willow in the kitchen. She's like, hey, uh, you're using magic like way more than necessary. It's cool when you're like protecting people, but maybe we don't need to do it for every little thing. Willow's like, it's no big deal. These are just simple spells. You're freaking out about nothing. And then Dawn walks in to check on the chips and they put their fight on pause. A term later coined by Allison Hannigan in How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. This party's weird, like you said. There's just like a lot of random hugs congratulating Anya and Xander out of nowhere, even though they've all just been standing in a circle talking for like the last 20 minutes. Yeah, right. Is there no one? I mean, I guess they don't really have families. Xander doesn't like his family. Anya probably doesn't have family. But like Xander's got some work friends. Yeah. And I know it was impromptu, but like this is just the same shit you guys do every night, but you have cups now. Yeah, and then, like, there's so many times, like, two people will go outside, and I'm like, that's, like, a lot of the party. Like, no one noticed that they're gone? They're like, yeah. oh, I snuck out of there. Like, no, you didn't. Also, like, two of the people are, like, clearly fighting right now, so this has got to be uncomfortable for everyone. Yeah. A couple little moments kind of give the sense that Dawn is a little jelly, because she had a big crush on Xander, and now yeah. he's off the market. I mean, I don't think she ever thought it was realistically going to happen with Xander. Well, she knew that he was going to finally find a woman at some point who knew how to eat ice cream. <laughs> but I think it's also a little bit of like, I want a boyfriend to kiss also. Yeah. More so than specifically Xander. I don't I just remember being this age where, you know, you were like wanted a boyfriend and you'd like go to a new place. I don't like a wedding or something mm -hmm. or something like a family trip, maybe. OK. Oh, family trip. Like not not like family reunion. I got you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like a vacation where you're like. There's going to be cute boys here that are my age. I need to find them. And there's going to be a romance. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. Did you experience this as a, as a, a boy? A lot of cute boys I was looking for. Uh, not not that I can think of. I mean, maybe. I just remember, like, always thinking it was going to happen for me at some point, you know? Yeah. When you're that age and you, you start to, like, want that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I felt something similar. I don't remember like, that same feeling about like oh there's gonna be girls there maybe even like a school event where like my crush was there that yeah. I wasn't you know in a relationship with but it's like oh maybe this is the time where he finally professes his love right i was just so socially awkward i just don't think that like i was like yeah there's gonna be girls there but i don't know how to talk to them unless they're reading books right in front of me and i can start <laughs> talking about those books not gonna happen i mean i wasn't cool but i think at some point i was like hopeful that the boys would just find me. and The boys would just find you? <laughs> Don's like, well, bye. I'm going to Janice's for a sleepover. Buffy doesn't super remember approving this activity and is now kind of second guessing it. I guess because it's Halloween. And she uses the excuse that they're having this party. But I'm like, are you? Yeah. She, <laughs> you'd think Buffy would be like, listen, you're in like a lot of the party. Yeah. Like, do the math. Tom's like, it's fine. It's four blocks away. We're just chilling at her house. It's not like I'm going to be roaming the streets. But roaming the streets is totally her plan. Her and Janice have both convinced their guardians that they're sleeping in each other's houses. And they're actually meeting up with some boys in the park. Dawn's assigned boy is Justin. I guess they've seen each other at a couple parties. 
When's Dawn been at parties? Was she at Xander's party? I guess maybe she's been sneaking around a bunch. Well, yeah, that's the thing, too. It's like she's like so sheltered. Yeah, I guess when Buffy was dead, maybe she went to a bunch of parties. Yeah, it could be. They go on a little spree doing all kinds of cool teen things like egging shit, destroying mailboxes, letting air out of stranger tires. Her friend's boy is not that cute, by the way. Her friend yeah. seems like the alpha friend. I'm not sure why she wouldn't take the cute one for herself. And also, these guys are like 22. The actors are like six years older than Michelle. Yeah, they both seem much older. And they're probably supposed to be like high school seniors. But I don't know. Were there no like 18-year-old actors available? Yeah, I don't know. It's just they felt so old. I, I guess it's like typical in Hollywood for people to play older than they are. Like everyone in Glee is like 28 playing a high school mm-hmm. sophomore. But I think because Dawn is like pretty much playing her age, it seemed weird. But while the girls hang back and giggle about how cute the boys are, the boys are discussing whether or not they're going to go all the way with these girls. But first, the not-as-cute boy pitches smashing old man Kelton Box jack-o'-lantern. Dawn's like, I'll do it. It's the old man from before. He comes out, he catches them, and then invites them inside. And they go? Yeah, what? what the Why does this what? happen? What? First of all, dude says, Daddy's got a treat. Him calling himself daddy alone should be a red flag. Yeah, that's a red flag for me. Well, secondly, him being like, oh, you just destroyed some of my property. Why don't you come inside? That's red flag one. Like, dude's got a revenge motive right now. Number two, calling yourself daddy. That's another red flag. We learn pretty quickly why the boys might want to go in. And Don's friend kind of doesn't want to. But Don ultimately is the one who gives the green light. Why? Yeah. Like, at worst, this guy's a psycho killer. At best, he's a crazy old man that won't be a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about this a little bit, right? And I was saying that, like, I could see how a young woman looking for adventure would be like, ooh, this is, like, dangerous and, like, naughty. And it's a little exciting because this is not stuff I normally do, being, like, bad, you know? But Dawn, like, is almost murdered, like, every Tuesday. So I feel like this isn't going to be, like, a high for her. You know, it's not going to be like, ooh, this is, like, uh, scary. It's like, nah, this is actually pretty low-key considering what I right. do every day. I'm not getting off on fucking with this old man. I mean, they set up with her stealing that she wants to, like, do something a little naughty maybe. I say, keep saying naughty, which – what's another word besides naughty? <laughs> Bad? Yeah. Rebellious? Rebellious. That's way better than naughty. But I don't know. This just doesn't seem fun. Right. Yeah, why It seems either legit dangerous or boring. Or legit mean. Like, why are you torturing this old man if you're going to do something inside of his house? Because they get inside of his house, and then they start, like, I don't know. It just seems like at any minute they're going to, like, break his shit, too. Yeah, so dude used to be, like, a really good toy designer, he says. Yeah. He's got a bunch of toys around the house. Some are just, like, connects. Like, he's got a connects Ferris wheel. He was a toy designer until that thing happened, he says. That one little mistake, and they took his toys away from him. So things are seeming pretty sus in here. He randomly shouts, time for treats. Who wants to help daddy in the kitchen? Cool it with the daddy. You're you're a granddaddy. (laughs) I just like to point out, I suspected from moment one that this old man could very well be a misdirect, and I was 100% right. Yeah, you were. It just seemed too easy. Everything he said and did was vague enough that it could just be that he was a weird but nice old man who, like, just wanted some high school kids to come over and play with his toys and call him daddy. He seemed too creepy. It seemed like a misdirect. Yes. Like, all of that is creepy, what he's doing, but it doesn't mean he's, like, a murderer. He's just kind of weird. Justin offers to give Daddy a hand in the kitchen, and the old man says, Hands are good. Always use more hands. More hands. More hands. And he's just, like, hum, and pop goes the weasel again. Yeah. Why are we still hanging out here? 
No one's keeping you here. I don't know why Dawn, after five minutes, wasn't like, actually, my bad. This was dumb. I don't want to be here. We're not locked in. We should 1,000% go make out in the park. What are we doing? Yeah. But the other dude is like, nah, we should hang. I'm playing with this headless jack-in-the-box. Uh-oh, that seems ominous. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, the soup is still cooking. You should check on that, dude. I don't know what soup needs to cook that yeah. long. <laughs> yeah, it's just... <laughs> It's all burnt on the bottom. There's no liquid left at all. But then we see that knife again. He picks it up, makes another knife sound, which just gently picks it up off the counter. <laughs> I don't know if you got that. It's very subtle, but he just like lifts it off the counter and it's like, shing. Maybe the knife is one of the toys he made. It just makes a shing sound every time he picks it up. That's why he got fired. They're like, this is a kid's toy, man. <laughs> but turns out Justin's a vampire. What? I didn't necessarily expect that Justin was a vampire, but I did not think the bad thing was going to be the old man. He bites the old man, who was just a nice old man, trying to make them Rice Krispie Treats with little pumpkins on them. Yeah, we see that's why he got the knife out, was to cut the Rice Krispie Treats. This is a little clever, though, right? Because they made a point of this old man did invite them in, which had to be the case for them to enter. Yeah. And because he was such a creepo, you didn't think about that. The other kids overhear the commotion. His friend doesn't really seem to mind too much. But Justin comes out and says he swiped the old man's wallet. They should go. The girls are just so exhilarated. They skip on ahead. Justin said the old man tasted rank. That's interesting. Do old people taste bad? I always wonder why vampires don't just go after old people. Seems like they'd be much easier to catch. But maybe they're gross. Yeah. Who knows? I want to point out that, like, I don't buy this part of Dawn's character. That she's, like, I could see her, like, smashing a pumpkin, sure. But, like, stealing money from an old man who was, like, giving you treats? Like, why? That's awful. Well, she seems to be into stealing. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I didn't like that. Well, the boys discuss whether or not they're just going to eat the girls or go all the way and turn them into vampires. Justin and Dawn are walking. She tells him she's just a freshman. This is also where she tells him this isn't her first time doing crimes, that she's never paid for lipstick. Interestingly enough, though, I remember that Buffy mentioned she's stolen lipstick before. Oh, really? Yeah. He offers her his jacket, and then her friend shows up with a huge glug. <laughs> I love yeah, the, the giant, soda. like, 7-Eleven yeah. Slurpee. I feel like we've seen that before in this show. Maybe, like, Willow or Xander had one once. The other guy apparently went to go get the car, which is just him killing someone and stealing their car. Back at the party, Giles has, like, a backhandedly nice conversation with Xander. He says... Anya's a wonderful former vengeance demon. I'm sure you'll spend many years of non-hell dimensional bliss. Also, have you thought about money? Where you're going to live and all the specific plans? Giles is always trying to rush people in their plans. <laughs> yeah. Like, get some adult friends, Giles. Kids don't know what they want to do tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> he's He did that with Buffy last week where he's like, so now that you're back from Angel and you're still... Well, Giles is like, listen, I'm going to be leaving the show anytime now. I got to get everyone straight. Uh... <laughs> Don, what do you want to be when you grow up? A doctor? All right, cool. Here's your course curriculum. Later, Anya's babbling about wedding plans and babies. Giles pitches naming the kid Rupert. And he's like, yeah, no, that's a nerd name. Again, weird party. Xander seems to be immediately regretting his choice. He's feeling a little suffocated by all the planning. Buffy, on the other hand, seems to be a little jealous of her friends finding happiness and achieving all of life's normal signposts. She can't even keep a boyfriend. Which reminds her that she's falling in love with Spike. So she is going to go patrolling. And on her way to Spike, she comes across the scene of a woman being put in an ambulance with a vampire bite on her neck. I assume this is the person they stole the car from. Right. 
Giles gets a phone call. It's Janice's mom. She's put together that their daughters are liars. <laughs> so Janice's mom must just be fully aware of the whole situation where her daughter's friend just has a man indefinitely living with them that's not their dad that used to work at the school her daughter maybe goes to. And she's cool with that. Yeah, I suppose so. But I mean, he's sort of been a father figure for Dawn for like a long time. Has he? As long as she's actually been around. I mean, Giles wasn't like coming over spending time there until like the last couple seasons. That's as long as Dawn And Joyce was alive then. I don't know. It just, I feel like I'd be a little weirded out by my daughter sleeping over at someone's house where there's just like a random man staying. It's not a random man though. I don't know. Does this woman know the ins and outs of Buffy and Giles' father-daughter relationship? I mean, I guess she knows that Joyce is dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Because in my head, it's like, it's not that weird. But like, since Joyce is not there, I guess it, it could seem weird. It's yeah, like, I would feel why? weird letting okay. my yeah. daughter go to this house that's just a bunch of college kids living there now with a random old man. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. In my head, I was Who thinking Who used like, to be their teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all fair. In my head, I was thinking like, well, he could be Joyce's lover for all she knows. That's what I would suspect. Yeah, but, that's what I yeah, would suspect. But, but Joyce is dead, so... You're just Joyce's lover who's still there. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair critique. That's weird. I would be like, and why are you there? They do seem to know each other, so maybe this has come up. Maybe once she confronted them last time she called, and he's like, no, 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 no. I'm just, like, pretty much Buffy's dad. I'm just sleeping on the couch on princess sheets. It's no big deal. <laughs> it's not a big deal. She's like, what kind of sheets? She said princess sheets. Uh, they're nice. <laughs> this whole lying about where you are to your parents situation happened to me once. Where you got caught? So I didn't actually do anything wrong. My mm-hmm. friend whose boyfriend's best friend, my friend's boyfriend's best friend, lived like a- your story straight. Yeah. My friend's boyfriend's best friend lived like a street over from me. And she and her boyfriend were going to be like staying over at his house. I think it was like a small party. And she just wanted to be, our parents were pretty strict about like spending the night with boys. I mean, this was maybe during college. So she just told me like, I told my mom that I'm staying at your house. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't lie about anything. I don't even think I I told my mom about it, but this girl's mom like figured it out and called my mom and was like, so it's cool that Susie's staying over, huh? That's not her name. She wasn't staying over. And my mom was like, she's not though. Also, who's Susie? (laughs) So Susie got in trouble because she lied about where she was. And again, I don't know what I was to have done in the situation. Well, the sad part was that Susie did get murdered that night by her boyfriend, so. No, but I think her car got keyed and egged. That happened at some point, too. I like that I think that was just her mom and she was pissed. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know what I could have done, but I got caught in one of those situations. Yeah. What was I supposed to do? Tell my mom, let's help Susie lie? Yeah, your mom would have been super cool with that. Xander, Anya, and Willow are dancing because that seems fun at a five-person party where half the people are secretly fighting. Yeah. Giles halts the festivities to tell them that Dawn's out there on the loose somewhere. Boy, is she. The (laughs) teens are deep in the woods now. I don't know. There's something about you. It seems like you're commenting on her being loose. (laughs) No. (laughs) She's very loose right now. She's just really on the loose. (laughs) The teens are deep in the woods now. They're splitting up for some one-on-one time. Dawn and Justin get to use the car. Dawn's very nervous. She wants to know this guy's intentions. That might be a connection to Gilmore, actually. Uh. She doesn't say, what are your intentions? But she kind of asks. He's like, I just want to taste you. That's a red flag to me. <laughs> I mean, 
I feel like that's kind of a hot thing for someone more experienced than Dawn. But for someone who's never kissed a boy, she just wants you to tell her she's beautiful. I don't know. She seemed to like it just fine. It's true. but I think he read her really, pretty well. He's like, this girl seems to be very turned on by red flag situations. Yeah. It's just she doesn't need much more than that to get turned on in this stage of her sexuality. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And then he kisses her. He figures out from her reaction that this was her first kiss, which makes her self-conscious. But he tells her it was perfect. And they go back at it. You never make out with me in the car anymore. We don't have a car anymore. Yeah. I guess I could steal a car like he did. Yeah. It used to be my jam. Made out, out with so many car. cars. Oh, Not wow. with you. But we oh, made out in a car. We have made out in a car. In a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I did it all the time in high school. I knew all the places to park. I got yelled at by the cops twice for parking and making out. <laughs> it was more the parking part. They're like, this isn't a place you could park. I don't know why they were from New York and Wisconsin. But you gotta get out of here. You can't park here. Maybe that's Boston. That was not New York. <laughs> was this like a shapeshifter, alien, line, pretend to be human? Now get on out of here. Like, well, we can't make out at my parents' house. Where the fuck are we supposed to make out? I don't know. You go to your friend's house. You say you're sleeping somewhere else. <laughs> this is what the cop said. He had an idea. <laughs> Listen, this is what you got to do, all right? Listen to me. I'm from all over the country. I know. Tony Santonio. <laughs> <laughs> Willow and Tara go looking for Dawn at the bronze. They seem flirty, less fighty now. We maybe haven't been at the bronze yet this season. It's been a while. Yeah. Being at the bronze was kind of a fun choice for this episode, though, because it's a good way to see a few costumes, since most of the Scoobies aren't really wearing them. Right. Willow says this is where she would be if she were 15 and on the run. But not actually, because she was a spaz at 15. But, like, she did go here when she was Dawn's age. Yeah. They were slightly older. They were sophomores. But, I don't know. She was here the first year of Buffy. They go up in the balcony where Willow wants to do a spell to temporarily shift everyone who isn't a 15-year-old girl into an alternative dimension. No big deal. But just deal. for a second. Simple not a big spell. deal. Just a simple one-second spell. Tara's like, that's insane. What if it goes wrong? Willow's like, it won't. Also, kind of seems like you and Giles are talking about me behind my back. So she does a little silencing spell for some reason. So it's quiet for us during their fight. Like that Saved by the Bell episode we watched on Peacock where they clearly couldn't get the rights of the song they had playing in the original episode. So they just replaced it with nothing. Yeah, so it's just people dancing to nothing. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know why they had to do that. Just to show off another little spell. Yeah, I think it was just to use Morris magic. Tara's like, listen, lady, you're using too much magic. Am I just supposed to sit back and keep my mouth shut? Willow says, well, that would be a good start. And Tara says, if I didn't love you so damn much, I would. She storms off. She turns the bronze sounds back on and leaves Willow alone. I hate this. I just feel like that's not something that Willow would say. Yeah. Even Mad Willow. That's just like so mean and angry. Yeah. Shut your mouth. Yeah, like, I just, it's just like so, it just doesn't seem like it's Willow's character. And like, I know that this season is sort of like set up, like she's like getting a little defensive of her magic. They're really making her unlikable, though. But like this episode just seemed like an extra, like when she snapped at Giles, right? Giles had already like snapped at her. Yeah, yeah. Tara's and, like approaching it calmly. Yeah, and Tara's like being very loving. And also Tara is like her lover, not just some father figure that she might feel like she can say that to her. That's a big thing to say, to tell your partner to, like, shut their mouth. Like, yeah. I don't know. Buffy busts into Spike's house. Giles had already stopped by to let him know that Dawn's on the loose. So Spike mentions he's already looked for her in the tunnels. This is the second time in this episode he's mentioned the tunnels. Have they mentioned them before? Are they trying to set up some tunnels? I think they've set up tunnels before. I mean, definitely angels, there's tunnels. Yeah, which is how Giles got to Billy. 
So Buffy and Spike decide they're going to go looking for Dawn together. Giles is stumbling around in the graveyard looking for her when he comes across her friend making out with the guy just in time to stop her from getting bit to death. Giles is like, hey, not cool. He's like, what do you know about it, Grandpa? Giles is like, quite a bit, actually. And they tussle. It's kind of cool. This is a vampire, but he's maybe newish, I guess. It's hard to say. He's got a young body, but he also seems kind of immature. But Giles is a good fighter. So it kind of makes sense he'd be able to fight this guy. He does a pretty cool flying kick that I think the actor actually did at least one angle of. And he eventually kicks the guy into a tree, driving a branch through his heart. You pointed out that Giles seemed like he was just going to let the dude punch the girl. (laughs) Yeah, if you look at the choreography, it just looks like when the guy goes to punch Giles, he like ducks and like hits him in the chest. But the way it's edited, it looks like he's just like ducking. Dude's going to punch the girl right in the face. Don's makeout sash is getting pretty hot and heavy. Justin even bites her lip a little bit. Little teaser. Dawn seems to want to slow down, but then Justin got my tell her she's beautiful memo and she's right back in it. That's all you got to say. That's what a 15-year-old girl wants to hear. Dawn starts moving her hands up his face a little. And uh-oh, it's a little bumpier than expected. Uh-oh. Dawn runs out of the car. He's like, where are you going? I thought we could hang out. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're a vampire. And then he feeds her a bunch more lines like she's special and she's not like the other girls. I just want to be close to you. He goes to bite her saying it'll only hurt for a second. She seems like she's maybe going to let him. And Giles is like, not so fast. That's my adopted daughter-ish. She's my adopted daughter's sister who I don't particularly feel close to. She's, yeah, he talked for a while. She's actually fake, but she comes with the package. I, yeah, she's just magic, honestly. Giles is about to go beat this dude's ass, too, when, like, a million vampires get out of their cars. A million low-rent fucking white trash vampires show up. (laughs) Like a dozen. Apparently, this is a big vampire makeout spot. So Spike's there, too. Giles seems relieved to see him. Buffy shows up, seeing Dawn standing so close to this vampire, and is like, hold up, were you parking with a vamp? Dawn's like, I didn't know he was dead. And the guy's like, uh, living dead? (laughs) She's like, shut up. (laughs) Buffy's like, how could you park in the woods with a boy you just met? He's like, we've seen each other at parties. <laughs> Buffy's like, shut up. That was a fun callback to earlier. Yeah. And Dawn rightly says to Buffy, oh, like, you've never fallen in love with a vampire? That's fair. She, that's kind of her thing. Yeah. One of the other vamps is like, can we fight now? Buffy's like, didn't anyone come here to just make out? And then there is one human couple that raises their hands. Why did they get out of their car? <laughs> they just Everyone's getting out of their car. They want to see what's up. Buffy tells them they should run. Justin's like, whoa, your sister's the Slayer? I knew there was something special about you. That's not what Dawn wants to hear. She hates when Buffy's special. (laughs) So she kicks him in the nuts. She runs. Giles, Spike, and Buffy start taking on the vampires. There's a cool scene where Buffy fights one all over a car for like a good chunk of time. It's kind of like, what's special about this vampire that she's struggling so much though? Because meanwhile, Giles easily kills two. Yeah, I feel like the show plays around with vampires' abilities a little too much. Like, the Scoobies often are able to, like, handle a couple vampires one-on-one. And then sometimes Buffy will, like, struggle to kill one. And it's like, I no, a single vampire should take two people to kill, at least. To be fair, I don't think she has a stake. Because she threw it to Giles. She ends up decapitating this guy with the car door. Yeah. So that might be why. I mean, she has nothing to kill him with, so she's just holding him off. Right, but I just feel like, okay, Riley was able to fight vampires, and I will argue that Riley has, like, well, he's, like, at least for a a big portion of the show, Riley actually has superpowers. But even if he doesn't, he's a huge dude with, like, specific vampire killing training. So, yeah, a vampire who's not ancient and doesn't know how to fight perfect, 
he just knows how to fight better and could like get an advantage. But like even Giles is a good fighter. Like he's not going to be able to fight a vampire. He's just too strong. Also, why didn't he give the steak back when he was done? What's he doing once he's done with those two vampires? Just chilling? Yeah, I don't know. Making out? Justin ends up catching up to Dawn. He tackles her to the ground. She's bummed because she thought he really liked her. He's like, I do. And you like me too. And I think he maybe does like her, but Dawn knows what's up. He leans in to kiss her, but she's got a steak ready. Has she killed one before? I don't know. I want to say no. Back at the semi-res, the party that never wound up is winding down. Like, who is at the party right now? <laughs> Xander, Xander and Anya. Anya and Willow? Willow and Tara have returned from their fight at the bronze eventually, but... Right, so they came back with some great party energy. <laughs> I mean, once Dawn was missing, I think it kind of ended. Giles told Xander and Anya to stay there and wait for that's the girl's right, mom That's right, that's true, yeah. Giles and Buffy talk about how Dawn can't be allowed to continue behaving this way. Buffy's like, couldn't agree more. I'm going to go to bed. You handle that, Giles. So he does. We don't see much of it, but he definitely lets her know he's pissed. Yeah, but he definitely also has a moment where she's all like, thanks for taking care of that for me. So glad you're here to do that. And then like leaves and he's all like, sighs, kind of like, oh, I'm doing it. I was kind of like prepping you to go do it. Because there was a point earlier where Don wanted to go out and Buffy like checked in with Giles. He's like, it's not my call, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Giles, can you stop dropping that word all episode? I'm trying to find a reason to leave. I'm trying to make you not like me. Yeah, maybe a good start would be if you kept your mouth shut, Buff. (laughs) Willow also touched Billy. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, in the master bedroom, the freeloading lesbians are still fighting. (laughs) This is such a... (laughs) They're just living in this This nice room for free. It's so funny. Meanwhile, in the master bedroom... (laughs) The fighting lesbian. I said freeloading. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tara doesn't want to talk about it now. She just wants to go to bed. Willow's like, cool. Let's just forget it ever happened. And she does a little forget spell and climbs into bed where Tara is no longer mad. She's very snuggly. Willow, that's fucked up. You're bad now, Willow. Yeah. That's not good. That's not good. You can't just change reality and betray your lover's feeling. How long is this going to last? <sighs> that's the end. I feel like that's unforgivable. Like, to make your lover forget a fight. First off, first off, first off, this isn't even, like, a fight that's, like, relationship ending. Do you know what I mean? Like, if the fight were so, like, if I don't make her forget, we're done forever. And, like, I know that the thing that started this fight will never happen again. Like, I learned my lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can fix this. Right. That doesn't justify it. But, like, at least in my mind, I could see how you could rationalize it to yourself. Yeah. You're like, I have to do this or else we're not together and I, it'll never happen again. I will never do this thing. But this is just like, I don't want her to be mad at me for this thing she might be right about. I want sleepy snuggles. Like, what? You can't do that just to, like, get past a medium fight. You can't men in black your girlfriend every time that you guys get in a tiff. <laughs> so, Brian, was this a good episode? Um, okay, was this a good episode? It was all right. It wasn't a great episode, but you know what? I don't hate it. Uh, it's definitely the weakest Halloween episode. yeah. But there was still, honestly, there was still a lot in it that I liked. I liked how many times they referenced previous episodes. I like when they do that. It's weird because I don't think I liked it the first time I watched it. But when I watched it this time, I kind of liked seeing a little bit of what's going on in Dawn's head. And, like, seeing her, like, try to have a boyfriend. Because, like, this poor girl, like, is trying to have a life just like Buffy is. Yeah, I could see. I mean, I haven't seen the rest of the show. But I can. this definitely feels like they're setting up some stuff for Dawn. So probably knowing how it all goes this episode would be better on a rewatch. 
It's it's so funny because like Buffy is all like super protective of Dawn, overprotective of Dawn. And in the same token, like Buffy probably, you know, she probably realizes like, yeah, when I was a kid, like I wanted to do X, Y, Z. And so does Dawn, you know, it's not her fault that she's the sister of the Slayer slash a ball of energy. So I kind of like that. I also kind of liked how Giles was funny in this episode. Mm. And I like that Giles got to be a bit of the hero by like confronting the guys first. Yeah, Giles, it was a good Giles episode. Yeah. The party was just real dumb. Yeah, totally. The party was really dumb. And Xander's feelings were dumb. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there is something relatable to the idea of this guy who, like, doesn't know about marriage, honestly. Like, I feel like he sort of fe- – I feel like what the show is trying to sloppily tell us is that Xander, like, just doesn't really know what he wants as far as marriage is concerned. Yeah, he proposed because, like, he does have these feelings but also is scared of marriage and doesn't know what he wants almost. Right. I don't feel like he's like, oh, I made a mistake and shouldn't have, ma-, you know, proposed. I don't think that's the the thing they're trying to tell us. But I do think that he's sort of like scared and doesn't know and he's over in over his head. Yeah. I mean, they're young. They're kind of young to be getting married. Yeah. Same age as Rory and Logan. Yeah. Which is too young, even though that's when Emily and Richard got married. Don't worry about it. it we got to get to that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I would say it was an all right episode. It was okay. Yeah. It wasn't amazing, but I enjoyed it. It's, I think like Gilmore Girls, it's just mostly setting stuff up. Like nothing super resolved in this episode as far as people's feelings. It kind of ends on cliffhangers. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what they do with the old man. Oh, he's dead. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Should we move on? Let's do it. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile, Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed, Season 6, Episode 6, My Three Witches. To teach the Charmed Ones a lesson, Chris and the demon Gith trap themselves in individual magical realities where their secret desires come true. Leo demands that the elders strip Chris of his white lighter status. Oh, Leo had a big reaction to Chris sticking those witches in little magic bubbles. So he's teaching them a lesson by trapping them in separate realities where their desires come true. So Chris is like, buddies with the demon gith yeah i mean you you are you could tell when you look at chris that he's like a gith buddy i mean he might be a good demon there's good demons in the buffy verse i don't know if that's true in this verse i mean cole was the closest yeah and he was a bit of a angel could flip at any moment demon. yeah exactly well first off i gotta say leo you're right we gotta take the white lighter status away from chris yeah, I mean, he's mostly just fucking around with birds, and yeah. I don't know. Is he really using his white lighter powers for good? No, and also, how do I get into one of these uh, desire realities? I guess you gotta piss off Chris and the Demon Gith, baby. I mean, I guess this is what, I mean, I, you should do that. That sounds like a fair punishment. <laughs> I'm gonna teach you a lesson by giving you everything you ever wanted. Cool, awesome. Put me in the Matrix, let's do it. To be fair, Chris is from the future, where white lighters are quite a bit different, so he might know what he's doing. Like, maybe white lighter dumb has evolved. Yeah. So in Piper's reality, uh, every time she casts a spell, it goes swimmingly. No problems. Yeah, and I mean, that teaches her a lesson. Because she's like, wow, I can do this. <laughs> the lesson is that, like, yeah, this would be great, and you can do it. So just do it. It just ends with the Nike swish logo, and she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> they didn't have as much funds this season, so they had to do a few product placement things. Yeah, Uh, and then obviously um, Paige's reality is just that she uh, becomes Melissa Milano. Melissa Milano? Uh, Melissa Milano. Who is 
a a character she's just had in her head for a while that's like yeah. a very confident beautiful mm-hmm. woman that has all the qualities that Paige doesn't have and uh she just learns at the end just she she could she could just do it <laughs> yeah yeah just I, you're not gonna be Melissa Milano when you get out of here but just just do it just act like you are yeah just do it you'll feel more good about yourself <laughs> just ends with some guy just be like yeah, just just do it just get he might not be a nice demon, but he's a cool demon. Come on, just do it. You want you want to do this? Just do it. He's kind of a lazy demon. That's Piper, Paige. Phoebe. She just wishes that Prue was still alive. Hers is really sad. Yeah. I mean, she, Prue's alive. She's hanging out in paintings, which I think right. they now know. But right. I mean, she still misses her. Yeah. So she's hanging out with Prue in a painting for a day. And she tells Prue, though, that she's, she's lonely. She's looking for love. Because, you know, Cole's not around. Yeah, I guess that's what she would. She her. I forgot her fantasy was that Cole was alive and happy and good. Yeah, he he was. I mean, she told us to prove. So you weren't yeah. wrong. And she's just. I just want to be happy. And then at the end of it, Gith is like, "Yeah, so just do it." She's like, "That's not like super helpful, Gith." Yeah, Gith's that was like, "Just do it." That felt like a bad message. That was sort of insensitive to like depression and stuff. Yeah, but that's Gith for you. So everyone was kind of helped except yeah. for Phoebe. Yeah. But we do know now that she's she's looking to date again. And the show's really setting up like, is Chris evil or is he just weird because the future's weird? We'll find out next time on Charmed Episode 7. Or we won't find out, but we'll find out soon. The elders, too, they're like, we'll wait, Leo. Let's not strip him yet. Let's see what he's up to. And Leo yeah. walks away in a huff. Big huff. He's not happy. This has been Meanwhile Uncharged. Then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about Welcome to the Dollhouse. So this episode is about Taylor deciding to change some of the street names and how that's going to affect Lorelai. It's also about Rory and Logan's relationship being strained a little bit due to their living situation. But also it's about Richard worrying about his granddaughter. So the episode opens on a town meeting. Taylor wants to boost tourism by reverting all the town streets back to their old-timey 1779 names. This will increase the town's charm, which will then increase its tourism, I guess. Kirk and Taylor do the scripted bit where Kirk and Andrew show up and pretend to be time-traveling soldiers from 1779. Time travelers who can't find their leeches and wenches in today's world. The funniest part about this bit is that Gypsy is just like annoyedly insisting throughout that this is just Kirk and like no one believes that they're time travelers. Yeah, she's like the only one not playing along with the rules. She's ruse. like, who, who are you fooling with these socks? <laughs> it's very funny. She just like hates the bit. I'm with you, Gypsy. I hate it too. Surprisingly though, Lorelai supports the idea of changing the street names. And because she supports it, I think the motion passes. Taylor's like, oh, that's a surprise. You support it. But then she just like talks about like, yeah, this is a good idea. Unlike the dozen or so other ideas you recently had. Then the town meeting, it just devolves into the whole town making fun of all the proposals and like ideas Taylor has had in the past that have failed miserably. It's pretty funny. The day of the name reveal, Lorelai is at Luke's waiting for her new street names. And Luke has revealed that he's got a new outlook on life when it comes to Taylor. He's going to be zen. That's his thing. He's going to be zen. Whatever Taylor says and does, he's fine with it. He wants to paint the store pink, whatever. Go for it. Why fight it? It's just going to be stressful. It's really fun. I like Lorelai's like, I'm going to miss nuclear Luke. Uh, I love them together. (laughs) Seems like that attitude will stick probably. Yeah, I'm sure that's just going to be him from now on, right? It's not like a one episode deal. Suki and a very tired Michelle show up. Uh, He's extra spicy because he didn't get his models 12 hour sleep. (laughs) 
His whole dialogue this episode is funny, especially with him and Suki talking. He's just talking about his skincare routine and like some like ginger like ginkgo. He like rubs his face in. He's like, yeah, it's like you got to rub your face. It's like rub washing them in diamonds. <laughs> Suki's like washing your face in diamonds. Wouldn't that just like cut up your face? <laughs> it's all very funny. Suki and Michelle are there so that they can go walk over and look at the names together. Did yeah. they really need to all be there? Like, I don't know why Michelle needed to come. Sure, I see that. Yeah, I agree. I guess that is silly. But I mean, it's, there's something exciting about doing it together. Yeah. I see what you're saying, though. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that he cares. So why make him come? He does seem to care in this episode. He cares when it's bad. Well, I mean, he's there in the morning, so he must care. I thought they like made him come. Lorelai opens the newspaper and sees a big old picture of Rory hosting that DAR fundraiser. Then the show tries to do like a cute transition of Lorelai reading that article, cutting to Richard reading the same article. I don't know. It just did not work as being a cute transition to me. I know this is so picky and stupid, but I was like, okay, sure. It just felt weird because it wasn't that seamless. And also they never do this. So it just felt weird. Yeah, it was funny. It was like, you guys couldn't match up the shot. I feel like you could have. I didn't mind that they did it. It just was like, oh, this is new. Yeah, they don't normally do it. It doesn't. Who cares? Emily is upset. When, when is she not upset? Uh, because she thinks the maid is adding too much sugar to everything. Specifically, she's like, this grapefruit's got sugar. And she's mad about it. There's a bunch of the maid is using too much sugar jokes. And they're all pretty funny. But we, we both agree there was like one too many in this scene. There was like one too many. Like, okay, we get it. Maid's using sugar. Yeah, at some point she gets up to answer the door because the maid's not answering it. And she's like, probably harvesting sugar cane in the back. And that was super funny. But then there's like one more after it in the scene. And that seemed like too much. Yeah, it's like, oh, that didn't top the last joke. Right. By the way, how many scenes are we going to get in this show of Richard trying to read the newspaper while Emily is yelling at him for not listening her complain about nothing? I mean, those are their base modes. It's like he's always reading. She's like, Richard, listen to me talk about how the maid's not doing good enough job. And it's like, just like chill. Like maybe your complaints don't need to be addressed or even listened to a lot of the time, Emily. Are you ever fucking happy? No. But it's also become a a running bit where she thinks he's not listening, but he is listening. Richard says at some point, like, yeah, maybe Logan ran off with the uh, maid to go get sugar. And she's like, that's not funny. I was like, it is funny, Emily. It is pretty funny. (laughs) But she is worried about Logan specifically because she tries to rouse Rory from her bed. The intercom, by the way, is broken and stuck on a top volume. And Emily says the company that built it went out of business in like the 70s or something. But she promises she'll find a way to fix it. But then she mentions to Richard that she's worried about Rory and Logan. She's specifically worried that Shira's interfering and maybe things are cooling down now because she just hasn't seen Logan around lately. And Rory's been sleeping way in to 8.30 in the morning and that might be some sort of sign of womanly depression. It's like when we go to bed now. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I mean, I feel like 8.30 is like way past when older people wake up, but it's not like crazy to be asleep at 8.30 for a college student. Especially if you don't have a job or anything. Yeah. Like 10, I feel like you could start to complain that that's a little late to be sleeping in. Sure, sure. Maybe 9, but 8.30 is fair. Richard points out they have different hours than we do. Yeah, he's like not worried about it. Like young people, they got their own hours. By the way, this is when the door rings. She goes to get it, makes the sugar dope. She comes back with an insurance claim from the Dragonfly Inn. I think it's crazy that this comes to their house. Yeah. This would go to the office. It's possible he had it sent to his house since there were so many like issues. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. But Emily's then annoyed to find out that Richard met with Lorelai and didn't tell her. And I totally agree with Emily on this. Why wouldn't he mention that he met with their estranged daughter unless he's hiding something? Yeah. They've definitely established that like 
Emily wants a lot more details than Richard thinks are important to give. Sure. Maybe even in this episode, there's examples of that. But leaving it out completely is weird. Yeah, totally. Like, if he didn't mention how she looked or felt or whatever, sure. But, like, he would mention, like, hey, I saw our daughter today. Yeah. It's just weird that he didn't mention to her at all. Like, she asked a lot of questions in that moment that let us know that she's worried about her daughter and upset that she's not part of her life. She's Mm -hmm. all like, what does she look like? She looked tired. What was she wearing? Was she still in that nether world of I don't know what my hair is supposed to be, which is super (laughs) funny and, like, true for about, like, two seasons for Lauren Graham. But it's just insane that he would not mention, like, he knows how much Emily misses her daughter. Yeah. What Richard doesn't know is that things aren't great with Lorelai because uh, she gets her new street name and it ain't cute. It's literally Soars and Boils Alley. Once again, all of Michelle's dialogue is hilarious. Just the way he sadly says the street name. Soars and Boils Alley. He's so distraught by this. Or when he when they're walking to look at the name... He says that, like, he's not pouting. And Lorelai's like, oh, did your Botox wear off? (laughs) That's really funny. And he's like, no, it did not. Obviously, no one's happy about this new name. So Lorelai calls Taylor's office. A guy named Joey answers, who apparently cleaned their gutters at some point. She's like, you remember me? You cleaned my gutters. And she's like, no, I did pay you. We'll see. Maybe she didn't pay Joey. While she's on the phone waiting for Taylor, Suki says, what kind of food do you serve on Soars and Boils Alley? And Michelle's like, anything with a crust. (laughs) She's very worried about the food because everything looks like pus. Yeah, Suki's like crying stuff like white sauce looks like pus. Salsa verde looks like infection. <laughs> she's very distraught. Meanwhile, Lorelai gets a package while she's on the phone. It's just like a really old metal clock. That was funny, too. She's like, Michelle, did you order this? He's like, no, I would not order an analog clock. Do I look 205? <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. I I love Michelle. It's funny because I feel like Michelle and Paris, they're different characters. But, like, I think the Michelle writing is just like, yeah, he says mean stuff, but, like, you don't hate him. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you're like, yeah, you're mean. Maybe because he's less integral to the plot. Like, we get a lot more of Paris's backstory. Yeah, that's true. Michelle's just kind of there for a joke for a scene. Yeah, you get little, like, little bits of drips and drabs of (laughs) Michelle. And I'm picking that phrase specifically because Richard says it later. Yeah. So she gets his old clock. Weird. Who sent it? Uh, who knows? Eventually, Lorelai gets through to Taylor, and he mentions that it isn't cool that she didn't pay Joe. <laughs> <laughs> then goes on about how good and historical the street names are, specifically Soars and Boils Alley. He's like, oh my God, that's where everyone went when they had their Soars and Boils. It was a hot spot. He's very surprised that she doesn't like these names, given how supportive she was during the meeting. He's like, what happened? What, was it a fight with Luke? It's very funny. Finally, Taylor begrudgingly agrees to try to figure something out. He can't just change it back to the old name, but he'll he'll figure something out. Then Lorelai gets another package at her home. A giant birdcage. She's like, huh? The next day, Lorelai gets three more packages mailed to her at work. There's also a fun bit at the beginning of the scene where Michelle keeps suggesting that Lorelai has a home shopping addiction. <laughs> That's where all the <laughs> yeah. stuff is coming from. Like she's yeah. repressing it and doesn't remember doing it. Kirk shows up. He's got three alternative street names for her. One is Constabulary Road, which is already the name of another street. So it's like, this is going to be chaos. Please don't pick that name. The second option is a Native American name, which is basically unpronounceable for anyone who's an English speaker. It's very, very long. I feel like I saw in like some fan group that there is something actually named this somewhere in America. I would believe it. It's just, it would be very difficult to like write on an envelope. 
Or three, Krusty Bulge. Lots of options for Sugi Foods with Honestly, that name. Honestly, I think Krusty Bulge is better than Sores and Boils. I'd go yeah. with Krusty Bulge. Lorelai's like, nah, we're not doing that. We're just going to keep the original name. Taylor's mood be damned. We're just going to be Third Avenue. Was it Second Avenue? I don't remember. It was one of those avenues. Third Street. Third Street. She's like, we're just going to keep it with Third Street. We don't care. We're just going to pretend this isn't real. Kirk's like, we're done here? Great. Mom tied this tie way too tight. <laughs> <laughs> It's at that moment that Lorelai realizes that Emily is the one sending her all the things in the mail. I don't know exactly what. Yeah, I don't know that that's clear how she realizes it. I thought I might figure it out rewatching it, but I don't know that I did. Logan stops by Rory's sex pool house. That's what it's used for. Kind of. Well, he's stopping by to spend the night there. So. It's an occasional, occasional business. It's a business house <laughs> of all okay. types. Business pleasure house. Business pleasure house. Uh, that's so funny. He stops by. He brought her a present. It's a purse. It's a Birkin bag. Rory likes the purse but doesn't realize that it is a Birkin bag or what a Birkin bag is or means. Apparently, Birkin bags are a very, very high, 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 high end luxury bag. I went online and looked it up. And we're talking low end $9,000, high end $300,000. Wow. That's That's the price of a car. That's the price of some houses. That's insane. And you're going to get me one? That's why you were looking at the prices? Girl, you'll be lucky you get extra fries when we go out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? I can see not buying me the bag, but why am I getting my food privileges revoked? <laughs> you'll be lucky if I let you have some of the food from the doggy bag when we get home. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Billy's coming over later. <laughs> Help. You and I are playing pack. Patty cake? (laughs) Patty cake is what I'm trying to say, but I'm laughing too much. Okay. So he buys her a Birkin bag. She's like, it's got a great new car smell, but it's a bag. I'm like, no, it might have been a car at some point. Like, it's very (laughs) expensive. Logan kind of lets her know, like, oh, Birkin bags are maybe a big deal. Like, I kind of expected you to be freaking out right now. So go ahead and call my sister and ask her about it. It's like a whole big deal. It's almost like he doesn't really know exactly the deal, just that it is a deal. Right. It's funny, I'm reading this book right now where it's an English person and she's got an American friend and the American friend is just constantly offering her tea all the time. And she's like, my American friend just knows that English people need tea but doesn't understand it at all. So she's constantly just like, is is it tea time now? Do you need your tea? Like it's medication. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's almost like he doesn't have like the vocabulary to explain why it's good, but he knows that women should like this. Yeah. They go out to dinner and when they come home, Rory mentions that she's never gotten nearly so many compliments on a bag before. So she realizes that, you know, maybe it is really nice. And we're going to talk about this bag at the end. I have a lot of thoughts about this bag. We'll we'll talk about that later. I just want to point out, I only probably know about this bag because of the show. It's not Mm -hmm. something I, I, if I got one when I was Rory's age, I probably wouldn't have known what it was either. Yeah. But maybe if I grew up in money, I would have. Right. But she didn't. Logan runs back to his car to get his phone and Richard notices him. So Richard is like, oh, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just dropping off Rory. I'm not trying to bang her behind the house. Don't worry about it. In the pool house. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Technically, what I said is still right, but I sounds different. Richard's all like, oh, so you're dropping her off. What a nice person that drops her off and you're not having sex and everything's great. Why don't you come inside and have a nightcap with me? So he's sort of like roped into this. And Logan's like, all right, cool, cool. And so he's having a nightcap. And then Emily's like, oh, Logan, oh, you're having a nightcap? I'll let your boys talk very much like, I don't know, like I want everything to be perfect with Logan. Slash, I'm going to sit on the stairs and listen. Yeah, she goes upstairs. She doesn't listen. No, she doesn't. But well, I don't know. She goes upstairs. 
Richard uh, then starts making some boring small talk, then starts asking a lot of, like, prying questions about Logan and Rory. Now, I think it's clear to the viewer that these questions that he asks him about Rory are because he just doesn't know what's going on with Rory's life, and he feels alienated, and he wants to know that she's got things coming up, that she's got plans, that she's got ambitions still. Because in the last episode, he sees her at the DAR fundraiser on stage, and he's, like, sort of sad looking at her. And Mitchum essentially says that she doesn't have it. She's not going to be, like, some successful business person or at least journalist. And I think Richard's, like, worried and wants to see some sort of signs from Rory that she is pursuing stuff besides working the DAR and, like, frivolous stuff, you know? And so he's, like, prodding Logan for all this stuff. But it seems to Logan that these questions are more like, so what's going on with your two together's future? Like, do you guys have plans to, like, get married, get hit? Because he keeps asking leading questions, like, what do the two of you have going on coming up, like, down the line? What are your plans? It's almost like he wants to know all this stuff about Rory, but obviously he's talking to Logan, so he has to say you too, as opposed to, like, what's Rory doing? Yeah, yeah, it's like he gets right into this, like, very pointed questioning, but he still is, like, trying to couch it by making about both of them. Right. So it's not quite so heavy-handed with asking about Rory, but, like, in doing that, he creates a whole other mess of making it seem like he's asking about marriage. Yeah, and so Logan gets visibly uncomfortable, and Rory walks by and sees Logan and tries to rescue him by coming in. She's like, oh, hey, what's going on? And as soon as she walks in, Emily's, like, Rory's nearby radar goes off. So she, like, comes down the stairs. She's like, Rory, what are you doing here? And Rory's like, well, I'm just getting a cup of sugar. (laughs) Very funny line from Emily. All she says is, sugar, don't even get me started. (laughs) Super funny. Logan and Rory excuse themselves. It's getting so late. So they leave. And then Emily's like, I want to know all the details of what you boys are talking about. It's like, yeah, you were probably listening. You were right upstairs. The second Rory opened the door, you were downstairs. She wasn't, though, because she has to find out later what happened. You're right. She wasn't listening. But But why wasn't she? I would have. Yeah. But also, like, they talked for, like, two minutes. I don't know. I feel like nothing scandalous or even that exciting would have been said in those, like, two minutes unless they were getting married tomorrow. So then the two crazy young kids sneak into the pool house. I have poor house written down in my notes. Uh, (laughs) It's not the case. The two crazy kids sneak into the pool house where Logan mentions that maybe they should hang out at his house from now on. He mentions that he wasn't super into Richard's like marriage suggestions. And Rory's all like, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. I'm going to talk to them. We are way too young to be talking about marriage and they should know that. I will talk to them. The next day, Emily shows up with an incredibly ancient looking repairman. He's like the last dude alive who knows how to fix this like intercom speaker system. So he's there to fix it. And while he's working on it, Emily asks her granddaughter some normal questions like, are your sheets being over ironed? Are we supposed to be ironing sheets? Yeah, we haven't made our bed in about a month. Do we need to iron it? I made it a couple days ago. Did you? Yeah, yeah. we had somebody over. So we made it. It was like a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> it was a huge deal for us. I've actually read you're not supposed to make it because you just like trap dust in it. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I don't. My point is that we're not ironing our sheets. I do not see a point in ironing your sheets because they're immediately going to get wrinkled. Like if you're going to fold them and put them in the closet, I could see why you'd iron them because then they're somewhat nice when you take them out for guests. But if you're just like putting them on a bed right away, what's the point? If you are ever caught ironing your sheets, I'm going to be worried about you. Me or the audience? You. Okay. The audience. (laughs) (laughs) Rory takes Emily aside and asks her to speak to Richard about maybe not pressuring Logan into marriage. Emily's shocked, agreeing that he shouldn't have said any of that. It was probably a misunderstanding, but she'll she'll talk to him. 
Then Emily finds out about the Birkin bag and like freaks out. She is impressed and jealous. So fun. She's like, a Birkin bag. A Birkin bag for Rory. She's like, I'm going to remember this day. Yeah. Also, the repairman maybe died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah. very quiet in there. So then Emily goes to Richard and says, by the way, their fears about Logan and Rory cooling off because of his mom are unfounded because of that new Birkin bag. Birkin bag means love. Richard, by the way, had no idea that he had been pressuring Logan. It's clear from that scene that he was more interested in Rory's future, not their future together, because he's worried about her. And he agrees that the two are way too young to get married. And Emily's like, right, right, right. But, I mean, it's not crazy that they get married because, you know, it'd be about a year before they got married. And that's about when we got married. Richard's all like, yeah, but they're different than us. And then he sort of starts, like, getting upset saying that, like, she's got things to accomplish. You know, she's got more to do. It's clear he's worried about Roy's future. It's kind of crazy to me that they're like, she's way too young to get married. Because, like, last season they were pressuring them to get married. After, like, no time of dating. Not really, but they were, like, talking wedding venues. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I agree. I I feel like I feel like Emily's like fine with them getting married. Honestly, I think she's saying you're too young in that, like, we're not going to pressure you. But like, we definitely are hoping this is what happens. I mean, Richard is just more worried about Rory settling when she's got so much potential to do so much more. And I don't know that Emily has that same fear. Yeah. Because in my head, I think Emily's like, yeah, if she doesn't become a journalist, she becomes me, which is great. Right. Yeah, totally. Like, she could be uh, a business wife. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what she is, right? Like, Richard runs the business, but she, like, 100% supports the business and Richard supports him. Richard would fall apart without her. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I, I'm trying not to say this in, like, a negative way because I don't see it as a negative thing. It's sort of like, you're the business person. I'm the wife who supports all that, which honestly is kind of what I'm pretty sure what the Huntsburgers are looking for, right? They're looking yeah. for, like, an Emily Gilmore. They're like... Yeah, he's going to run the company, and you're going to support him in all of that. Right. They don't want her to have her own ambitions. Right, exactly. It's funny because I think Emily is very actively supporting Richard, and I get the sense that Shira doesn't. Shira is more of a trophy wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Huntsberger probably has the kind of money where he doesn't fucking need a partner. Yeah, he's got really. assistants and stuff to run Yeah, all he literally shit. doesn't. Yeah, exactly. I, I wonder, we haven't talked about this, but I wonder if there isn't some kind of thing here where she might be offended that he's saying that, like, what Rory might be falling into, which is a life of just being married and supporting their husband, is not good enough. They don't really talk about that in a scene that much, but that's sort of how I feel. This is also where drips and drabs comes. Yeah, she's like, you're always a step behind. He's like, it's because you always give me information in drips and drabs, Emily. (laughs) I also like when she tells him about the bag. She's like, you know, I've shown you pictures around my birthday. (laughs) Yeah, she's clearly upset that he has not bought her a Birkin bag. When Richard mentions that he's worried about Rory, Emily's like, cool, let's do the thing I always love to do, which is sneak into the pool house to snoop on people. Yeah, she's like, if you want to find out things about Rory's life, don't talk to her boyfriend. You think she's going to say, talk to her. Right, right. But you break into her house. Go through this shit. It's reminiscent of when Emily, Lorelai, and Rory broke into the, the pool house to snoop on Richard. In that time, Rory was really reluctant and guilty feeling for being there. And now, when it's the opposite and it's Richard, he feels reluctant and guilty for being there. Mm -hmm. Emily's, like, going through everything. She finds the purse and starts touching it and sniffing it like a pervert. She loves this purse so much. (laughs) Richard, get her a purse. I hope they have a big fight and he just gets to the purse and it's fine. She also makes some reference to, like, snooping on Lorelai and finding, like, a drawer full of candy and she's like oh my god and then richard's like well did you look under the candy and she's like i'm this is gonna bother me forever yeah i could see her just having a drawer of tootsie rolls though yeah that's just like for one night of, of food for her one movie marathon it's been a while since i had a tootsie roll 
You don't see them anymore. No. It's because Lorelai has them all. Mm. Lorelai finds a giant five-foot-tall urn at Luke's, sent by Emily, of course. Lorelai says sending it to different locations is intentional to piss off Lorelai's friends and close ones until Lorelai just has to talk to Emily about it. She's just trying to smoke her out of her foxhole. Yeah. That's a decent strategy. Yeah. I mean, insane, but like. It's, it's insane, but like, I mean, it's, it's almost working here. She also finds Kirk in an impromptu visitor's gazebo handing out town maps. These new town maps have all the fancy new names written down, but she notices that the Dragonfly Inn is not on the map. And he's like, yeah, it's because you refuse to use the old names, and this map is just a historical map. So she's pissed. There's also a funny line where Kirk sees the family, and he's like, you guys should check out the urn at Luke's. Kids love to play on it. I also love when he's like, look at me. I'm sitting in a little gazebo. Yeah. Lorelai drives home to find 30 or so boxes of greatly varying sizes just outside her home. Like, some of them are huge. Lorelai is unfazed by the boxes, but then she gets a call from Emily saying she's going to turn her old room into a gift wrapping room, and she needs to get rid of Lorelai's old dollhouse. Seems Emily uh, has lost her patience with this package sending scheme and is going straight for the nostalgic jugular. She's like, you need to pick up this house. I'm going to get rid of it. And Lorelai's like, I don't have time. I will let you know when I can. And Emily's like, fine. But she clearly really wants it to not be thrown away. Yeah. Have we mentioned this dollhouse before? I don't think so. It's possible we've seen it. Yeah. I feel like this seems like you want that. It's like as soon as Emily mentions it, Lorelai's like, yeah, that's super important to me. Do not throw it out. But it's like, have we mentioned it before? Unless I'm forgetting, it does seem like we maybe should have had another line or two. Like, yeah, I, that was my favorite toy as a child or yeah. so-and-so made that for me. It, it's possible there's something I'm forgetting. Right. Meanwhile, Luke is now pissed. Nuke Luke is back, baby. <laughs> Too mad to kiss Lorelai. <laughs> yeah. He's mad because they changed his street names. Also, a side note, he's annoyed because the kids keep playing on the urn. <laughs> he keeps yelling at them. But then later it has them do it. We'll talk about that in a minute. It's funny because the, the kids are playing on it because Kirk suggested kids should play on the urn. But he's mad that he's got to change his address when he sends stuff out or, like, anytime he needs, needs to get mail from something, he's got to, like, tell them the address has changed. So his, like, Taylor Zen stuff is over. He's pissed. Lorelai loves that he's back to his old self. He also has a citation because the kids have been playing on the urn and he needs like a jungle gym permit or something. He's just like, kids, get back on the urn. That was funny because he yells <laughs> at him to get off. Then he reads the citation. He's like, kids, play on the urn. The next scene is at the inn where Lorelai is retelling Michelle and Suki about how she called Taylor out at a town meeting. Lorelai says that she made a normal Ray reference, but she realizes she only made the reference in her head. So the whole rest of the town was confused and they didn't get it. And Michelle says, yes, that happens a lot with you. (laughs) So funny. But Lorelai says she was able to eventually win over the crowd when she makes a 16 candles reference that Taylor actually gets. And then he says, fine, I will put you back on the map and you can have your old street name. All you got to do is make a $100 donation to the Stars Hollow Historical Society. So Suki and Michelle is like, yay, we did it. And then Lorelai's like, yeah, but then he patted me on the head and said, good girl. So we're sores and boils still. That's fair. That would be hard to, I don't know. Sores and boils is pretty bad. I know, it's fucked up. Like, I, I just, I want to say this. I hate Taylor. He's, like, such an evil person who, like, rarely gets his comeuppance. Yeah. I hate all this. Ugh, I hate it. It's, like, I don't know. I, I don't like it. The swords and ball stuff is kind of funny, but he's just, like, such a real villain. Mm-hmm. But also, like, Jackson has his job, and we never address that. So it's, like, pissing me off that there's no one that can challenge him in any way. I think Jackson was, again, directing this episode, so he couldn't do his <laughs> Alex Blackman duties. 
It's just very frustrating. And, like, the town, like, I, I don't understand how the town isn't, like, yeah, you can't call it Swords and Boils. Like, the whole town isn't on Lorelai's side. The whole town fucking loves Lorelai. So, whatever. I mean, I, I'm, I, it seems like the town could overrule him. Anyway. Emily then calls Lorelai pissed that she hasn't come over for the dollhouse yet and gives her an ultimatum. She's like, you come tonight or this is gone by noon tomorrow. I'm giving it to Goodwill. And Lorelai is at her wit's end and calls her mom super vindictive. And she's like, you know what? You know the house means a lot to me, but whatever. If you're going to be the worst person alive, just get rid of it. Whatever. Burn it. I don't care. It's sad. It's you sad. can tell that Lorelai's like legit super upset about this. Logan shows up at the pool house trying to sneak in the window. But Rory assures him he can come through the front door because she's talked to her grandparents. And Richard did not mean to pressure Logan. In fact, he's going to apologize about it. I thought it was funny when he was like, no, I can just come in through this window. There's a stump here. Or you can let down your hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. And then she gives him shit. She's like, I'm going to give you shit for trying to come in through my window. I'm like, okay, it's not that weird. So she asks Logan, you know, is everything cool? He's like, yeah, everything's cool. And she's like, great. Uh, By the way, I love you. Ooh. He's like, uh, uh, mm, yikes, uh, mm, aha, hmm, interesting. The first lady uh, said this would happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a funny line. Rory's like, don't worry, listen, 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 it's okay, it's okay. I, too, once had a long-haired person tell me they loved me without much warning, and I didn't handle it very well. So, you don't have to tell me you love me back. You can say it when and if you mean it. I don't expect anything. Then Logan's like, uh... You know, I've told a lot of women that I've loved them without meaning it. And I'm not going to do that to you. And then he's all like, that didn't come out right. I, I, I was supposed to sound romantic. She's like, you don't have to say anything. So he doesn't. And they kiss. And I feel like this scene ends very pointedly without him saying, I love you. Yeah. I don't know that that I, I feel like he's going to it's going to be a big deal when he does say it. I think that's what's going to be the case is that he's not going to say it for like two episodes and then he will. Or Rory's going to break up with him in a car that she built. <laughs> yeah. So then the episode ends with Luke at Lorelai's helping her pack up a bunch of stuff to get to Goodwill. A lot of the stuff that Emily sent. What I would say here, though, personally, is like, why doesn't she just sell some of this shit? Yeah. Like, some totally of this stuff's should. worth, like, hundreds or thousands of dollars. Get yourself a Birkin bag, girl. It's all the stuff that Emily was going to give Lorelai anyway, she says. Yeah. So, yeah, it's probably worth money. Yeah, some of this stuff, for sure, it's antiques. Another thing I was thinking, I was like, well, just take some of this to Miss Kim's and make a trade for something you want. Yeah, I mean, I think Luke is trying to get her to sell it, but she just doesn't feel like dealing with it. It is a lot of time and effort to try to sell stuff. Yeah, if you're if you're making like $10, $15 per item, it's like, oh, this is, ugh, I don't like this. But if, every time you sell something, it's like $300. That's like true. That's a day's worth of money. It's a lot. Like when we moved to New York, we tried to like sell all of our garbage. I mean, we had to like purge our whole lives to move here. Yeah. But again, that was like 20 bucks per item. Yes, yes. And we eventually were like, we don't have time. It's going to Goodwill now. We like tried to sell as much as we could. But also like Goodwill, I feel like if you take like some of those antiques to Goodwill, they're either going to not get taken by anybody or thrown out eventually because someone's not going to realize that it's actually like a priceless thing. Or someone will go to Goodwill and get it for $2 and sell it for 100 Sure. So they're going through all this stuff. The door rings. It's not a package. It's Richard. He says, uh, hey, Lorelai, I thought you'd want this. And then shows us that he brought her the dollhouse. That was so nice. It was so nice. And then he also says, and we need to talk about Rory. Cut to black. It's just like so nice imagining the scene where Richard was like, I'm taking her the damn dollhouse. Yeah. Like, what, what was that scene? I think he did it secretly. Well, he must have overheard, though. He only gets information in drips and drabs. Well, yeah, this drip hit him right in the forehead. And he was mm. like, I got it. All right, so, Stacey, do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls? It's complicated, because kind of 
nothing happens. Like it's the, I don't know. A lot of it is the swords and boils thing. Yeah. And Rory mitigating what Richard did to Logan. So like nothing really happens. But I think it's still really good. Like it's it's funny and it's well yeah. crafted with like the back and forth of everything. Like Lorelai simultaneously dealing with the packages and the problem is I don't know, just like a lot going on for her at once and it's kind of fun to watch her deal with it all. Yeah. Like the the dialogue during all that is fun. Even though kind of nothing's happening. Right. It seems short in my like remembering it. Like cuz yeah, like not much really happens. There's some good Emily and Richard scenes. I don't know. It's tricky. I don't know which one's better, man, because... I'm with you. I really don't. I mean, I think I'm going to go tie on this one. Can we? We've done that before. Yeah, of course we can. Let's just do it. This is another tie. We've made ourselves not tie them before, but I I think Buffy is a little bit more impressive with, like, the themes it's tackling. Like, the stuff that it is... They're both just setting stuff up, but what Buffy's setting up is a lot heavier. Yeah. But I didn't like a lot of Buffy. Like, I thought the old man stuff was kind of... Not boring, but like, I don't know. I didn't enjoy the scenes in Buffy as much. Like the party was boring. Yeah. And I I don't know. I didn't love the Dawn stuff. And that's like most of the episode. Yeah. Where the stuff Gilmore Girls is setting up is not as exciting. But I enjoyed the scenes more. It was more fun to watch. I I was like going into this thinking if I had to pick, it would maybe be Buffy. But then when we were talking about it, I was like, no, I like the moments in Gilmore Girls a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but also for Gilmore Girls uh, and the same token, like I really don't like the Taylor stuff. Like when he's being an asshole and like he's just being a piece of shit and like he doesn't get retribution for this. Like I, I don't know, I just sort of like ugh. Yeah, it legit like bothers me. <laughs> like, it's a made up toxic person that we just gets away with being toxic. All right, well we're tying it then, unless you change your mind. No, we're tying it, but there's something else I have to talk about. Okay. The Birkin bag. Okay. Okay, so we talked about this. You brought this up. Like, how much money did the Birkin bag people make from Gilmore Girls? Because first mm. off, first off, first off, first off, like this, this is almost just like a perfect ad for Birkin bags, right? The show is like, hey, Rory's this character that a lot of the audience identifies with, right? Is like the point of view character for the audience. She's this young woman who doesn't know anything about Birkenbags. So if you don't know anything, you're just like Rory. And she's being introduced to this magical, luxurious bag. It's okay that you don't know anything about it. Let us tell you about it. In fact, you should contact somebody who already owns one, like Logan's sister, Honor, and ask them questions about it. That's totally normal to do. She's introduced to this bag, and she's all, like, a little skeptical, like, seems like just a nice bag to me. But then, no, she goes out, and turns out everyone compliments her all night about this bag. Emily's freaking out about this bag. It's such a big deal. In fact, and then Emily talks about how this bag is like a perfect gift. So I feel like it's just a huge ad for these bags and like telling women like you will get noticed for this bag. Yeah. And if a man gets it for you, it means they really care about you. It's a big status symbol and like relationship symbol. You want this bag. And like I said, the show's the only reason I knew about it probably. Mm-hmm. But now that people like me are like getting this bag, but – I mean, maybe it's on my radar for someday or, you know, the same case for a lot of women that can't really afford one. Right. But if you were to marry a guy or, or I mean, if you were to get rich, but you could get one yourself. But like if you were to marry uh, somebody who had a lot of money and like, you know, had a big anniversary coming up and you were like, oh, what's a big gift? Yeah. This is on your radar. Yeah. I, I happen to know that this is a real Bergen bag that they used. And I don't believe they had to give it back. It's possible they had to pay for it. Like, maybe it was in the budget, but I kind of doubt it. I bet they were just like, here's a free purse. You're a commercial now. (laughs) Right? Like, it felt like, because obviously it behooves them to sort of market this bag to middle America. Yeah. 
Well, that's it, right? Do you have any other Birkenbag thoughts? Nope. Okay. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 6, Episode 7. 21 is the loneliest number. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 6, Episode 7, Once More with Feeling. Is that one of the songs? No. It's the musical episode, guys. We're very excited. We're very excited. I'm excited to watch it. I think we're going to watch it tonight. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Do you think this is just an ad for Birkin bags? Yeah, is this the way you learned about Birkin bags? Did the Buffy party seem weird to you? Did you think it was weird that Justin told Don he wanted to taste her, or would you have just been happy being told you were beautiful? Or would you have wanted to be tasted? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Brian and Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live streamed watch parties at Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. How else would you know about Billy? <laughs> and shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Nola. Thank you. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of the episode descriptions or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. I mean, I'll get you, like, like a used bag. I'm hoping there's someone in this building that, like, yeah, maybe gets rid one. of the Birkin bag. Yeah. I honestly barely even use a purse, but I would like you to give me that one. Fuck. All right. Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.